ACAST. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever start your cart with the baker's app and save from wherever today baker's fresh for everyone 35 dollars order minimum restrictions may apply subject to availability get more ways to save at the buy five or more save one dollar each sale just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card baker's fresh for everyone blog talk radio Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zuck. Jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004. This show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality, mediumship, self-improvement, and intuitive guidance. Whatever interests you, remember that we are all here to share and learn. Sit back and get ready to socialize with the Social Psychic. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's with great pleasure that I have the opportunity of interviewing special guest and author Carly Matamore. Carly co-authored a book called Sacred Messengers of Shamanic Africa with Linda Starwolf. And I'm very excited about having her on the show this evening. Carly is a shamanic psychotherapist with 30 years' experience, as well as a therapeutic energy worker. She's traveled to Timbavati, South Africa, and Zimbabwe several times. Carly teaches shamanic workshops at the Arahara Spiritual Community in Springfield, Illinois. Sacred Messengers reveals the wisdom and love of the white lions of Timbavati who have returned to help us remember our divine origins. And it also explains how to reconnect to our original roots in Africa, hidden deep within our DNA, and remember our sacred contract to guard and protect the natural world. Matamor and Wolf offer shamanic journeys to connect with African power animals, as well as the energetic hologram of the 31st meridian, the spine of Mother Earth. Our spiritual warrior selves are summoned to heal the separation between us and nature, to be the change agents of heart as we evolve to a higher consciousness. I'm excited to have Carly discuss her journey, and hopefully each of us will have the opportunity of connecting with our original roots in Africa. 
It's with great pleasure that I welcome Carly to the show. Welcome to the show, Carly. I am so excited to be on your show, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is mine. I I just want to really, truly thank you for coming on. I love the topic of your book, and I'm st- so excited for us to delve into this for the next hour. I uh, just gave you a brief introduction. I um I wanted to ask you, what motivated you? And I know that you co-authored this with Linda Starwolf. What 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 motivated you to write this book? You know, the book wanted to be written is the biggest probably reason. Um, I had never had any inclination to be a writer whatsoever. But when you listen to what is being given you, which was a very big lesson to me in the very beginning when I was called to Africa um, and not knowing why I was going to these white lions and going to Timbavati. And I think that that listening piece is such an important part when it just keeps bubbling up, and it's not just me. It's like people are saying it to me. So there's like a reflection in others that are saying, you're going to write a book, or, you know, um, I can really see this as a book. So those seeds kept getting planted, and the message became clearer. So then when the opportunity happened, you know, I had a choice. Do I want to move forward here and write a proposal for this book? And I chose to do that, you know. And the initial response was I wanted to, what I believed to be was an easier way to maybe do some oracle cards. Um, they said, no, you know, we will take a book. If you want to write a book, you know, send us a proposal as a book and we'll take a look at it. But we're more interested in a book right now. And so I had a choice, again, to do it, and I sent it in. And it was one, basically, choice after another that I had to, whether, to allow this book to come into being. And, um, and then once the decision was made, I just sat and I wrote it. And it was a weaving together of my travels to Africa. And it was also really incorporating, because I think our personal stories is what gives us all hope that through the narrative of storytelling that we begin to see another in another our own journeys and how we can also change and we can also listen to that inner voice inside of us. And so really this book was listening to that inner voice and, and saying yes to when those opportunities and came to me. And then when the struggles happened to realize that that needed to be, you know, to let go. Of, of the things that were difficult and follow that path where it, you know, it was more of ease, even though it was still a challenge to write a book. It's not, a, you know, it's discipline, you know, and I had to find that discipline each day to write it and to know and trust wanted to come out, you know. And that's the other thing, Jason, and, and, is that this book, I, you know, we had initially thought maybe it would come out like in maybe May or June, and, and the book wasn't going to come out until July, and it never crossed my mind because we want to dictate when something's going to happen. And it's interesting that that book came out right in the middle of that eclipse portal that happened this summer. There were three eclipses in this book. It was like it was birthed in the middle of this portal of of releasing its energy into the world aesthetically. And I like so that. part of it is interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just like I couldn't have made that up, you know. It just happened. <laughs> It's it's yeah, as if very, Mother Earth was signaling to you 
it was just Mother Earth was signaling to you that it was ready for the release of this book. That's right. That was ready for the release, and it needed to come out. And, and I think when we birth something into the world, and it's not, you know, it is a physical, but it's not like, I mean, it's like my baby, essentially. You know, it's something that I gave my creative efforts to, um, along with Linda Starwolf. That, that's being birthed into the world energetically at a time when it's really ripe because there's so much going on right now. Um, that's, you know, a, a critical importance as we are shifting into a really powerful evolutionary change on the planet in so many ways. Definitely. I, I, wanted to, to, I know that in your, in your book you discuss how humanity itself has been separated from Mother Earth and that there's a disconnection. And I wanted to see if you could describe that a little further for our audience. You know, um, it, it comes, and I can speak about it certainly from my own perspective, you know, that growing up, even though I was very connected to nature and trees and animals, there was always this belief system that I as a human was more intelligent, and part of that was our my cultural conditioning, you know, that I have more value because I have a brain and I can use tools or all the different ways that we have delineated ourselves, or, you know, in some ways by seeing us as superior to others. And I think that has that thread probably has, you know, come through in many ways, not just me from nature to be able to take from nature what I need to, you know, whatever, to fuel my car or, you know, my home or to feed my my desire for meat, or, you know, whatever consumption that I have, that I have had some disconnect from where it came from, and a disconnect from understanding it, that the other, in whatever way we want to refer to the other, was less than I. It had less value than I. And I think part of this book is to understand this is where the separation happened. Um, this disconnect was from our own um, disconnect from parts of ourselves where we had the memory that we are all related, that we are all connected, that from our traumas through lineages, you know, all the way back to Africa and certainly from our own family lineage and in our own lifetimes, there are different parts of ourselves that we had to shut down, that we had to separate from. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder that we had less and less access to that gave us a false belief of, you know, whether it was as, you know, puffed us up and feeling entitled or made us feel diminished and as a victim, you know, and less um, less deserving of this interconnection with life. Are you following me? I know I'm kind of, feel like I'm a little out there to pull it back in. The separation, like, I, I see the separation from the trauma that we all have incurred throughout our lifetimes. And that trauma can come in many different forms. And it came from also how we have created a culture 
in our in 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 the United States, but all around the world, that allowed us to disconnect from nature. And nature is a living, breathing organism. And as we begin to awaken, we begin to establish a relationship with nature. And we begin to see that nature itself is quite intelligent. <laughs> and we are not better than, we are just one of the many components of, of nature, including trees or, you know, any kind of plants and the animals, you know, and the insects. Everything has an intelligence and a consciousness. And we are beginning to remember that we also have a consciousness that can interact with all of these creatures of the world to know that we are in relationship with each other. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to ask you, you mentioned uh, Mara, the white lion, Uh and all messengers of peace. Can you talk to us a little about that and describe what you mean by that? Well, Mara was the the white lion um, that uh, Maria Koso, who is the lion queen of Timbavati, and uh, she has since passed on from the planet, but she was um, a great teacher and medicine woman in, uh, in South Africa. And she was in relationship with the lions and um, communicating with the lions as ancestors. And she um, ended up meeting a woman by the name of Linda Tucker. Um, and Linda has devoted her, her life to being the, the uh, protector of the white lions in South Africa and in Timbavati. But Maria had predicted that a white lion would be born soon um, to usher in uh, this new age of consciousness. And she was actually, and I, you know, it's it's a great story because it's understanding that there is that bigger picture. Um, Linda was told, you know, by Maria that it would be soon, and I think this was like in 1999 or 2000 that it, you know, that it was coming. Actually, it was in the year 2000 that it was coming, and there was then a white lion who was born a cub that was born in the town of Bethlehem, South Africa, in the year 2000 on Christmas Day. And this is the lion, and this is Mara. She was given the name of Mara by the indigenous people. And Linda Tucker vowed to release her because she was actually born in a canned camp industry. And a canned camp industry is is an industry where they raise um, lions. And, and of course, there there are other animals, you know, across the world, actually, that are raised in such a way. But lions in in South Africa raised in the canned camp industry are often cross, are cross, and there's crossbreeding going on, and they also um, socialize them. So they take these little cubs away from their mamas when they are first born, and uh, so the mother is grieving, of course, for her cubs, and the cub themselves is being hand raised by people who are being asked to come often from the west to come and feed a lion, and who wouldn't want to feed a little cub lion? You know, I mean, it sounds and and they're really informed that it is for a particular purpose. They don't let you know that in reality this is sort of a socialization of these cubs so that one day they will be grown, you know, to be hunted and actually really not hunted. You know, trophy hunters come and they're able to shoot them for a a large amount of money. And, uh, you know, Somewhere between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars for a white lion. You know, it's closer to a hundred thousand dollars because they're so rare. And uh, so, anyway, this cub Mara was born in this industry. And Linda writes about this book and saving the um, the white lions. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful book too of her actually um, the journey of bringing Mara because after she was released from 
became camp industry. She can camp industry. She went into a zoo for a while, and she ended up having several cubs. And um, those cubs were held in that um, basement, really, of the zoo until they were legally able to be returned to their homeland, which is Timbavati. And Timbavati means where the star lions come down. It's a place in South Africa that, that actually has that name and is known as the only place where these white lions, which are very unique subspecies of lion that have blue eyes and um, are a little larger than a regular lion, and they're considered to be sacred, you know, and they were predicted to come when our world would be going through great change, just like all of the indigenous tribes, or, or many of them predicted that, you know, whether it was a white buffalo or the white bear or the white reindeer, you know, all of them have these these animals that are carriers of the light, and, and they are really messengers for our times that hold that energy for us in terms of consciousness to support us in our, our evolution. And we do know that this time, we're in a time of rapid evolutionary growth right now on our planet, and it is said to be like the fifth most rapid time in the of, of evolution, spiritual evolution um, of consciousness. And we see that. I mean, we see all kinds of changes taking place across the planet, even with this return of some of these same issues that we have had before, but they're coming up at a higher octave for us to transform, you know, to bring those shadow pieces that never got addressed to a, you know, into the light to be able to to support a deeper understanding. So Mara That's really is essential. Yeah, I, you know, Mara for me is energy. So for me, she came to me in breathwork, and I didn't even really understand what was going on, but she came in a, a breathwork vision that I had, and she's the one who said, you need to go to Africa. <laughs> and Maria Cosa also came, and I didn't know who she was either. She's this indigenous woman, and they both, you know, told me I needed to go, and and I'm like, I don't understand. I can't go. <laughs> I have other things in my life, but I ended up going, and it changed my life. I enhanced so my life. My life's still this. Yeah, it's it's still growing and expanding, but it's given it a ton more depth. I wanted to ask you, what made you arrive on the title "Sacred Messengers of Shamanic Africa"? Well, you know. Itself was a, a collaboration, um, you know, coming to understand really what the book was wanting to say. And the, this 31st meridian, which I speak about in the book, which runs through the, the continent of Africa, actually, if we follow it, it goes all the way around. It's a longitudinal meridian, also referred to as a nilotic meridian. It actually crosses through Timbavati, where the white lions are from. And if you follow that line straight up, Africa, you know, it links up to many sacred sites all the way, you know, above and below Timbavati, but it links up to the Sphinx, so it connects very directly with Egypt. So the Sphinx paws lie in this meridian. This meridian is significant, you know, it is known as the spine of Mother Earth, and um, it's also the line that connects with the Great Above. So, you know, the the Milky Way runs along. It's the, it's the river of stars. The white lions are said to come from, you know, the Milky Way, particularly from the the, um, so the uh, star system Sirius. You know, this this overlays this meridian, which also we understand that there is a river 
that runs through into the earth that correlates the, with the as above, so below. So not just underneath the earth, but underneath the earth. And this is where all the gold has been found. You know, there's this golden seam or this meridian that links these that creates another way of understanding the um, of who we are. So on this meridian, there has been many, um, many tragedies, you know, throughout history because this is where we know we all began. All of us carry DNA from this land the first time. So the title came about, you know, so through understanding that along this meridian, this sacred spine of the great mother, Mother Earth, lies messengers to help us remember who we are. You know, and the word shamanic really has to do with understanding that everything is shamanic. We are shamanic. Shamanic means being in relationship with nature and connecting with, you know, the intelligence and the languages of sacred places and sacred animals. So we tell in this book stories of of the animals that we connect with, including the lion as the apex predator and its significance for our time. So that's kind of a little bit about that, the title and that, how that came to be, is that by connecting with this place, we awaken in our own DNA. You know, just through, you know, reading this book, you know, I wanted readers to have an opportunity because not everybody gets a chance to go to Africa, but we can connect with these mysteries and with these these intelligent beings and remember within our own DNA or awaken within our own DNA our remembrance of our inner connection and our sacred contract, you know, to protect the earth, to be in relationship with the earth. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you you mentioned and you raise a good point because a good part of our listeners probably will have not been to Africa as of yet. I want to ask you, can you share with us what you found to be your most um, compelling experience from your first trips to Africa? And why would it be, why would you consider it compelling? Oh, you know, there are so many wonderful, wonderful stories that, you know, just really were powerful um, to sit. You know, one of the, I'll share when we, I guess I'm trying to think which story because, you know, but to give you a real life experience and understand what that's like to be in a Jeep, you know, a rain, rain, range rover, you know, um, in the early morning dawn, you know, as the sun is just, you know, beginning to rise in the sky, you know, and you're, uh, I'm in a, in, a, in a vehicle that's in the middle of the bush, you know, so I'm able to hear and, and sense and feel all of this beautiful you know, land around me that really does awaken something inside of me and inside of us. And one of the things with these lions, because um, I mentioned Mara being rescued and her three cubs, they were rescued, and now they are on the Global White Lion Protection Trust. And Mara is no longer living, but her cubs have went on to um, to have uh, several other cubs, and they are being raised along with Tawny Lions to you know, to be um, protected and to continue to, 
um, produce um, and thrive. But So we're there visiting these lions that are the grandsons and granddaughters or the daughters and sons of Mara. They are protected with a collar um, so that because, you know, Africa is a place where there is real dangers and there's, you know, they're, um, you know, they're faced with lots of possibilities of harm to these lions. So they do have trekking collars on them, but they are definitely wild. They are not, they're not um, um, tame lions. You can't go out and pet them. They are wild. So we go out in a, in a group of maybe six of us in the Jeep and we go looking for them. And I remember one morning, and this has really stayed with me because the female, two female Italian lions have caught a really big nala, which is a very large antelope kind of um, creature. And they ate what they wanted to, you know, they ate enough and, and they were satisfied. And then they left the rest of it. And the two males ended up finding it. But we had to find the males first. And the two males are the grandsons of Mara. And so, you know, we're in the Jeep and trying to locate them and going deeper and deeper and deeper into the bush until we find them, you know. And we, you know, they are eating, um, you know, they're eating the carcass. And, there are, you know, one brother is under one bush and the other brother who has a larger piece is under another bush. And we are sitting and we are in relationship, opening up our hearts because it's really, really important that you be in a place of love and respect. So opening your heart and connecting with their hearts. And when you're in relationship with a lion, I mean, it's really important. I mean, you know that these are special lions and they are actually communicating with you energetically. So you can have a download. You can have an experience. You know, you may just begin to start sobbing. You know, you may get particular messages. You know, there is a relationship going on between you and these lions, and you don't look at them directly. You, you, if they start to look at you, you know, you honor them by bowing your head and turning away, deferring to their, because they are powerful, powerful beings, and you don't want to, you know, um, and, you know, act as if, you know, you don't want to be threatening to them, I guess is what I want to say. So we were sitting there and communicating, and you could see that all of life, this is the part that really came to me is that it's such a natural order of the universe because they're eating this food and not too far away from them you can hear that the jackals are waiting for their time to come in and get any leftovers we know that the hyena is not too far away because they also will be here they're guardians and they will be cleaning up whatever is left over the nala having been killed and sacrificed itself, you know, because that's the other piece. Understand that there is an energy exchange between the animal and the lions. That animal gave itself up at some level, and then it releases its um, its feces, and then the bugs come, which are, you know, not the bugs. I like to, um, they are, they're, they're insects, but they're, um, the, the beetles, the, um, the dung beetles come to eat it all up so that they can, you know, form these little balls, and they will plant their eggs in it, flying overhead, ready for when it's their time to be able to clean this all up. And the two lions are in relationship with each other as they're getting ready. You know, one of them eats his and wants what his brother has. So he gets up and he tries to sneak in to take his brother's food. So he's initially going in kind of full force to try to take 
the food from his brother, and this erupts right next to me in the Jeep. They're both on hind legs, you know, roaring ferociously at each other to, to signal who's dominant and who's going to get this piece of meat. But their claws are retracted. They're not hurting each other. They are very close in relationship with each other. They are brothers, and they're bonded with each other very, very deeply. And uh, so one backs down, and then the other goes back. He says the one that was more dominant and had the bigger piece. And the other one kept on making repeated gestures, even crawling, to try to get closer, to get more food. And as he's getting more food, the jackals have taken their meal. So for me, just that incredible experience to be so close, so connected, and to experience how organic the natural order of life is, you know, and this land has been actually brought back to that place of being in right relationship. Just like when they returned the wolves to Yellowstone National Park, you know, the experiment, you know, returning them, everything went back into natural, a natural alignment, you know, and when we respect that, that everything has a place, you know, in the natural order of things. And when we can, as much as possible, support that natural balance, with life and be in this place of appreciation, it all it all falls into place. So that was one, just like, oh my goodness. And, but there were so many, but that was so powerful to just be in the presence of the lions as they were roaring on their back legs and to feel the energy of that. It was incredibly powerful. But the bigger teaching for me to actually see and feel and know that that is right relationship. I think that's amazing to think of. I would also think when you're telling when you're telling us this right now, I was just thinking of the importance of us recognizing our role as stewards of the earth, that we have a duty to protect our our relationship with everything on our planet and that it's not just ours to exploit. I want to ask you exactly. when you're over there. Oh god. I don't want to lose that part, but yes, because we too are apex predators. You know, and we are out of balance. We are not good stewards right now of our earth. We have been out of balance. And that's a key piece of this book, to understand why we're out of balance and how to get back into right relationship. So thank you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) What I was going to also say was, uh, in terms of your visit over to Africa, how have you personally, what's your view of the threat of developing you know, the the encroachment of human development on natural habitats for these animals and on nature itself. What, what What's your viewpoint on that? Well, you know, that that is, those are really, really good questions. And I know there is a lot of work being done by, by many people. How do we find, you know, um, a way to respectfully honor, uh, um, you know, the farmers who's, whose land is, you know, sometimes, you know, because the encroachment right now, and I, and I, what comes to mind is the more information I'm getting related to, like, the mountain gorillas and how close they are getting to communities in Africa. And, I'm, I'm, and I know that happens with many of the animals, um, that there needs to be a new kind of relationship. As the human population and cities continue to expand, how do we make choices that are, you know, in right right relationship with the animals as sentient beings, you know, because there is a way we have, you know, rather than just eliminate, you know, a species like, because all these species are going extinct, you know, for personal gain, whether it is to, you know, and it's usually related to money, 
um, people wanting to line their pockets and you know with with money, or just a disregard, you know, seeing them as pests. The baboons, for instance, in in uh, South Africa, when you bring in an animal communicator, and that animal communicator works with the animals, communicating heart to heart, you know, and actually you can get messages, you can work out an understanding with each other that is in right relationship once you understand what the real problem is. You know, but you first have to identify what the problem is and then begin to think what are the solutions. And from what I'm reading, that more and more solutions are happening that are respectful both to those, you know, communities where, you know, whether it's, you know, um, in the bush or a larger city that can be respectful of nature. Now, and, and many of us, you know, here, like where I live, you know, in Springfield and actually down by St. Louis or Chicago, you know, um, it's parks in the middle of the city that are protected, you know, and in relationship in the best way possible. You know, there were wolves, toxins when I was down in St. Louis at the Botanical Garden just last weekend, you know, and it's being in right relationship with them. Uh, and we need question? to be so yeah. grateful. We need to be so grateful that our ancestors, our forefathers, did that 100 years ago or beyond that to, to preserve those areas of our environment that we have some place that we can actually go to, like Central Park in New York or any other areas. Yes. I, I couldn't even imagine the just, alternative. I know, and right now that these are being threatened. But we need nature because if we aren't connected with nature, something can rely in our own neurological system. We are of the earth and the stars, so we need to ground ourselves. You know, we need to stand barefoot. We need to go out and connect with the tree because this helps to recalibrate um, our own energetic field. And more and more of us are disconnected, you know, and we're suffering from those disconnects. You know, we're getting sick and, you know, we're, we're not remembering um, the wisdom that we, you know, because we care, all carry indigenous knowledge within us, you know. So, yeah, our forefathers, they at some level knew what they were doing by protecting these lands. And we have to do that for our posterity, our, our children and our grandchildren. And it's our responsibility to do that ourselves. Do you... Um, do you have any viewpoints in reference to, I guess, what steps can be taken from your personal experiences over in Africa and just living here in the United States? What steps could be taken on an individual level to protect our uh, natural areas? Complex question. I really appreciate having it, you know, because I think the one thing that we, you know, we need to really be conscious of is our own, our own, um, our own personal, emotional, and spiritual health, um, and physical, physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental health. Because when we, and this is a really a big part of, it, of this book, is understanding the microcosm of Africa and our world is because we ourselves have been disconnected from our, our own essential natures. You know, whether it's we haven't had enough time in nature or the traumas that we have had where we have had to shut down the more we shut down aspects of ourselves from trauma, and really that's the shadow piece, you know, that when we have something happen to us, there can be a part of us that just doesn't feel safe to be all that we are. 
oh, we hide our creativity or we, you know, we don't even believe we have creativity because maybe somebody, um, you know, said something that hurt our feelings or told us that that wasn't safe to be that or, you know, and it doesn't have to just be creativity. It could be anger. It could be expression of our emotions. It's not safe to express your emotions. How many, how many of us, not just boys, but girls also, you know, you know, stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about or, you know, big boys don't cry or big girls don't cry. I mean, all the ways that we are conditioned to suppress emotions. Those, whenever we do that, we shut down aspects of ourselves. And um, I feel, and which is written in this book, is that with the use of different techniques like shamanic breath work, we can begin to move that energy in us and begin to bring back those lost soul parts, if we want to call them that, those disconnected parts of ourselves, or the ways that heavy, dense energy has really separated us from being all that we were, you know, came here to be. You know, as we move that, then we begin to align, you know, and, and we begin to connect with that inner authority within us, which is that inner lion. And, and when we connect to that inner authority, we are much more able to, in right relationship, embrace and what I call the sacred warrior, but it's really, I think it's even defining that even deeper. And that's, that's kind of in development with me right now. It's, to, it's embracing this piece that is willing to consciously stand up to make a difference in the world about what is right and wrong, but passing it through our hearts. Because we are in the time of what we refer to as the fifth dimension. And this has been coming for a while, back in the 70s. And even before that, it's, you know, we're moving into the fifth dimension. And the fifth dimension is the heart. So it's integrating both, you know, the above and the below, you know, or past and present, or dark and light, you know, or, you know, what, you know, all the different aspects, the feminine and the masculine, to integrate that in the heart, passing it through there so that when we step out and say, this is not okay to do this to our environment. Our environment is conscious, you know, and it needs, I mean, more and more people are having water actually have rights, you know, that the water itself, you know, or the animals themselves, we're seeing consciousness in animals that we believed wasn't possible. You know, we, you know, we thought that they were less, less beings, but when they are acting in, in ways that show cross-species communication and they're showing compassion, you know, that, and they're actually you know, maybe saving a fellow, you know, either from their own species or from another species from drowning. I mean, that's telling us something, you know. They are conscious beings and we're awakening to remember that. They carry an intelligence. It's just not the same as ours because they're unique and they have a purpose. Everything has a purpose. So when you ask, what can we do? We have to first begin to examine the nature of truth and is it in right relationship? Does there show respect for nature? Does it show respect for the other? You know, whether it's a person of color or it's a person of gender or it's a person of a particular religion or whatever. The ways that we judge, we judge and, and uh, project onto other from our own trauma. And we either express that as victim or tyrant or both. And that's actually that one of the most relevant question. messages. Absolutely. What you just raised is one of probably our most rele- uh, relevant challenges of our current society at this point in time. Being able to, yes. I would say, let go of labels 
and not look at people with labels and understanding our relationship to everyone in our in our lives and in, in on this planet and in the universe, we're all interconnected. We're all as important, and we shouldn't um, ferret out or separate from one another. And I think that's a, a great example with what you just you know mentioned. Yeah, and that even goes to the, you know when I was with Alliance to understand that we are all you know we we all have purpose, and you know and it is from our fears that we end up and and you know judging another and developing you know. Um, uh, hatred towards another because it's really hatred towards ourselves. And this is a, a huge piece of all of this is when we do our own work and begin to love ourselves and integrate that masculine and feminine, healthy masculine and feminine traits which exist in each of us. When we begin to integrate those pieces, you know, focused, determined, protective, you know, the masculine energies with intuition and compassion and generosity, you know, we're bringing together, you know, these really positive energies with maybe that inner warrior that's in the past, the warrior that was defended. I think the warrior in the past was the one that defended against the fear of annihilation from other, which was because of those wounds. And now we're having to see that really it's within ourselves and it doesn't have to be that same kind of energy. It's really about bringing this love with insight and uh, compassion and strength and vigor and passion. You know, I said passion already, but yes, it's all of that, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Not easy because <laughs> we're going to get stirred up. I mean, we're getting stirred up right now. I mean, this is creating, you know, we want to go out. We want to fight for what we believe in. We do want to fight, but not in the same way because another myself. Intelligently. Yeah, the, in order to, to combat it. it. Right. You meet anger with anger, it creates more anger. You know, so it's really being able to hold that, you know, and you have to hold that by being clear yourself. And the only way to be clear yourself is to pass that through your heart, you know, and to see that in the other is a reflection of you. Because there is. Definitely. When you discuss tuning into the holistic natural world, what would be the best way that you would suggest for our audience to be able to do that? Question. Um, you know, and I think I shared this a little bit, but I want maybe I shared this more with you, Jason, earlier. To understand no that the, the holistic aspect of it is that everything is a hologram. When you think of you know, when I mentioned the 31st meridian and it's the, this, this, this longitudinal meridian that goes down to the center of, of the African continent and it divides its land. And when, if you took all of Earth's land masses and you laid them flat, it would be the centermost point of those land masses. And this energetic meridian here is one way to look at it. It's, it's, it's the tree of life. It's where we all came from. It's uh, the Kabbalah, it's, uh, you know, and it's also the macrocosm, meaning it is the, the bigger picture of humans because we too have a spine. And along our spine is a sacred meridian. And along our spine flows the energy from the great above and, the, you know, and the great below or, you know, whatever, you know, it's that Kundalini life force energy that flows within us. And our own traumas, you know, whether it's from you know, our lineage or from our own lifetimes get blocked along along this, you know, this, our, and our spine. 
And as we do work to clear that energetically, we begin to open more and more to allow the flow of this energy to remind us of this interconnection we have with nature. It's a big spider web. Kandemla, you know, one of the, the holy mans and shamans that I work with, you know, everything is interconnected. And if we use, if we understand this understanding, then we begin to look at this, um, this holistic world to know that we are in relationship with it. So that when we give gratitude, because gratitude is such a high vibrational emotion, when we give gratitude, even if we choose to eat meat, if we do it consciously, you know, that there is a shift in our body and there's a shift also energetically in the world because we are in relationship with it. And, and that, again, is a way to look at it holistically, that we are, you know, we're not isolated. Everything, you know, even our thoughts become a part of that fabric. So to understand that, you know, that collective consciousness that's going on right now is all of these shadows that are coming into the light, essentially, more and more of our things that we had repressed. And that's why I, I think maybe why we're seeing so much what we, you know, what was quite disturbing is um, um, behaviors that were, you know, in the past considered not socially appropriate or not, uh, what's another word for that, not um, uh, kosher or whatever frame of reference, politically correct. Those are coming out like big time for us to see. They've always been there, but they were not seen because our our viewfinder had been blocked. And we are now, this is 1.30 anyway, we're at the next stage of our spiral, on the spiral path of our evolution to transform that. So we are seeing it big time and we have a choice. How are we going to deal with this now? How are we going to shift this? What kind of thoughts what kind of action? Because this is really a time of action. How are we going to be out there in the world? Whether it is saying hello to your neighbor, you know, or being conscious at your work, you know. Or doing okay. something as simple as recycling. When you see a recycling container and not throwing your your refuse into the trash and it's a recyclable item. <laughs> That's right. As simple as that. Or to know that when you go to the ocean, you know, that this oceans are dying. You know, the whales are dying. In 30 years, they will be extinct. You know, we have an obligation to do something. And basically, to know that it doesn't take much to begin to shift the tipping point as we all begin to wake up and make a difference. Even though, you know, we can say, well, what good is recycling? It will never catch up. It's not going to make sense. I want to ask you, you talk about the ancient archetypes who guide us. I want to see if you could describe that a little for our audience. Uh, that's a that's a big one to um, <laughs> to, to describe. You know, I like to think of it as, as you know, like it's it's a body of energy that has collected over time, and there are many ways to explain it. You know, to know that. Um, that it carries a vibration or an energy, and these archetypes are there for us to access. They're coming to people, whether it's the energy of Jesus Christ, who was a very much, you know, a, a radical um, being of, of love, you know, in the heart, or maybe it's Anubis, um, who is the, the, you know, the jackal-headed, you know, wolf 
in in Egypt, um, Mother Teresa or Gandhi, you know, because they are no longer on the planet. At some level, their energy and the association we have them begin to take on some archetypical. They become to mean something in our collective world that we can access and that may come to us in dream time or in vision time to support us or to give us messages. Um, you know, it's the it's this this energy that is floating around. <laughs> that just makes it sound very very. I mean, like, what do you mean floating around, Carly? You know, um, <laughs> you know that's a very difficult concept to to explain. But it is definitely it's an energy that we can access that is right now. We are in relationship with it. You know, to help shift ourselves and like Mara right now is an archetypical energy she's carrying this incredibly loving compassion for us in lion form during this age of Aquarius that we are in astrologically that's in relationship with Leo so the, and I guess I'll probably say a little bit of that because I think lion as an archetype is a really big archetype of our time and it's carrying this lion hearted leadership piece for us and the reason why it's so prevalent right now in our time is, is the earth itself as it moves on its axis it it, it 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 proceeds on the procession of the equinoxes and it rotates through all 12 astrological houses which are you know the stars in the sky and it has just it's just moved into to the axis to the north points to the stars um to the astrological house of Aquarius. But when you follow it all the way down through the earth, on the southern tip, it points to Leo. And this shift for these two happen every about 2,600 years that it moves to a new house. This relationship between Aquarius and Leo won't happen for 26,000 years. That was the last time that it happened. So it's really about the collective humanity you know, being in relationship with the energy of the life, you know, and making, you know, and, and this is our opportunity to make the choice of social vision to be in right relationship with each other, you know, a powerful energy of courage right now, embracing our courage. doesn't mean we don't have fear, but embracing it as we move forward um, through gathering the collective energy, you know, of this Aquarian visionary to to embrace these new times. And this is the energy we're in. And there's always a dark and a light that we're trying to integrate. But those dark and light energies exist in us. And that's where that piece of doing our own personal work to integrate those, to bring our darkness into conscious awareness, you know, and begin to, you know, to come pass again through the heart. Interesting. It's fascinating to know that, yeah, that here we are. Exactly. I wanted to ask you. The lion wanted to be written, you know, it just wanted (laughs) to come out. Absolutely. You mentioned. Cecil was the one that introduced us to that, too. So go ahead. Absolutely. You mentioned uh, the stereotypes, uh, for example, hyena. And uh, in part of your book, you talk about how hyenas are depicted in The Lion King as evil, devious, and out-to-kill lions. And then you 
also you you contrast that to your personal experience. And I wanted to ask you how your personal experience with hyenas and other animals during your visit over in Africa, how different in, in terms of real life and your experiences do you view these animals as compared to the stereotypes that have been perpetuated in society? You know, hyena is a good one because, you know, you can see just how watching a movie like The Lion King would begin to equate, you know, hyenas with being these um, evil, devious, sneaky. You know, I think it probably is good with the, you know, very much the shadow aspect of our, you know, probably shadow aspect of humanity, right? <laughs> you know, but yeah. when you actually understand that hyenas serve a purpose. And one of the things that, you know, that I learned from my work with Linda Tucker was that they really are there to serve the king. You know, they're there to serve the lions. And so they actually are in the perimeter of the lions. And they, you know, they kind of clean up after them, which is what I mentioned earlier about the exchange that I had. You know, and um, to know that that they have a particular role. And, you know, when I saw them uh, for the first time um, at Kruger National Park, I was blown away because it was not what my stereotypical um, belief about hyenas were, was. You know, they were there sitting in front of us, and we were in the Jeep, and they were, like, mingling with each other and, you know, the mothers were nursing their babies and, they, you know, the aunties were, you know, snuggling up to them. I mean, they were just like this, this family of connection, you know, that was loving. And just that shifted, you know, in me. And it's like, whoa, look out how amazing, you know, because our perceptions can be very stuck, you know, and to have something different, you know, enter my consciousness, it gave me a different perspective, helped me shift it. And then later, which I mentioned in the book, I ran into an animal communicator when we were down at the Cape, um, at the southern most part of Africa, or South Africa, and her first words were, did you see any hyenas? <laughs> you know, and that and that was really significant, you know, and I'm like, we not, I mean, I we, we had this experience, and then another part of our group actually saw a hyena giving birth. So we had some really significant nurturing, feminine qualities that were expressed to us, which is very different than the Lion King's really shadowy kinds of, and maybe that's even a shadowy feminine, you know, the sort of the unhealthy feminine behaviors of you know, although masculine energy can also be that. But her first words were, did you see any hyenas? And we were like, oh, my goodness. And we <laughs> told her about what we had seen. And her response was that that was such a good sign because what they were doing is they were bringing the shadow into the light. Does that make sense? So meaning those unconscious, unconscious things with South Africa, you know, there was apartheid. And that, you know, was all of the work that Nelson Mandela and many, many others, Desmond Tutu, did to, you know, to bring things somewhat back into alignment the best they could. 
there was still so much work to be done, just like there is here in the United States and in many places, probably all places across the planet, you know, that there is this next level of bringing what is still unconscious, you know, up to revisit it at a higher octave on the spiral path, which I also speak about in the book, which is um, developed by Linda Starwolf. You know, that we are constantly evolving and we revisit things over and over. It's both the masculine and the feminine. It's the line and the circle evolving. So we revisit it, like the Me Too movement right now or the racial divide right now. All of these things are the immigration and the walls that are being, this is time for us to revisit it to the higher level, to bring those shadow pieces more and more into the light so we can heal them. And confront them. Sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, from my, and all the animals did. Yeah. I th- it sounds like you can, you can learn a very important lesson just from what you're describing today. And it's very applicable to our daily lives. Couldn't be more relevant yeah. now than ever before. My yeah. take. Cause I mean, on a, what, go ahead. Personal level. Go ahead, it's all the time. We're having to look at our shadows. Exactly. How our shadow I, selves. How I, right. How have I, you know, been disrespectful or not seen another? judged another, whether it's by gender or by race. You know, in what ways have I contributed to the system, you know, perpetuating itself that I have not been conscious of? And that takes self-examination, and that's cleaning our own mirror. You know, we have to do that work. That's the time. We have to look at our own stuff. How have I not been in alignment? How have I projected my stuff onto another because I couldn't look at it myself? Well, and accept our role and our responsibility within ourselves. And into our within our connection to the larger whole, and my interpretation of what you're describing, it sounds like, and I think you mentioned this, that the Earth's current imbalance is humanity's misalignment of masculine and feminine energies within ourselves and as a collective whole. Would that be correct? Yes, yes, yes. And you know, and that's essentially at the core of it. It's the right and left brain. We don't even have to call it masculine and feminine. In fact, I think probably it's already becoming outdated you know we are seeing it and right true <laughs> you know? very true it, we, we are you know because there's more and more of an integration of these pieces of the right and the left but it, it's really um seeing how it has been unbalanced how have, has patriarchy which i believe you know patriarchy, which is consistent i don't know for so many many you know thousands of years here it came from trauma and it was the attempt to try to, um, you know, uh, to, to keep the trauma at bay, you know, and everything became a threat because of that trauma. So continued more trauma on more trauma, you know, and, and became out of alignment with those healthier masculine and feminine behaviors. And instead, with the domination and control, you know, aggression, and uh, you know um, violence, you know, um, you know, on the on the masculine or the, the that right brain or the left brain, and the left one, you know, um, you know, also looking at those negative traits or qualities, you know, that existed. The feminine had to forget its own intuitive nature, you know, it forgot how to talk to the trees or the animals or how to be in relationship with its. I mean, we still nurture. I mean, it's still there, but there's so many unhealthy ways that we had to, it had to go underground because it wasn't safe to be, you know, of the, that in relations. And just think about that, you know, there was a time when there was a lot of feminine 
energy. You know, they were seen as incredibly powerful because women are the bearers of, of the creativity and giving birth. And um, in, you know, relationship with this nurturing, powerful, passionate, creative life force energy, but it wasn't safe to express that, you know, and because of, of harm. So both women and men, you know, had to suppress that within themselves and become, you know, separated from their wholeness. And this is where we're at, is to bring this wholeness back, you know, to remember, Absolutely. you know, to be in that right alignment. You know, and in relationship with the, with an activism piece, you know, that right now that's, I think, critical. It's like we cannot be complacent. We can no longer, you know, because we all know it. But I think that there's been so much fear and so much trauma and so much conditioning that we numb ourselves in whatever way through addictions, which are, are what do we call them addictions, but I think it's just ways that we can numb ourselves so we don't have to feel the truth, you know, the truth is that we've been disconnected. We're actually running low on time. This hour has flown by. <laughs> I wish uh, we could have more time to delve into this topic because of how interesting it is. I um, mm, Thank you so much. No, I want to thank you. I, I just want to make sure before we end our episode, if anyone in our audience is interested in connecting with you directly or finding out more about either yourself or Linda Starwolf, what would you recommend would be the best place um, for them to go to? I would recommend that they, you know, check out our website, which is my website is www.ahara, which is spelled A-A-H-A-R-A, org, and Starwolf okay. is www.shamanicbreathwork.org. Great. And you will be able to see some of our upcoming events on that. You could also go to Sacred Messengers of Shamanic Africa Facebook page and learn about you know, all the different places I might be traveling to do book signings um, or we may be traveling to do book signings and radio shows. Um, that would be another way you can learn about. Um, you can also go to Ahara Spiritual Communities Facebook page and um there's information there about our upcoming workshops that we offer here in Springfield, Illinois, as well as our upcoming Africa trip, which we are taking in November. We're going to be traveling along the 31st Meridian to um, Zimbabwe, and we're going to be working with Mandaza Kondemwa in Zimbabwe, and we will also be in South Africa with the White Lions um, uh, in November, November 15th to December 1st. It just sounds so exciting that you get to do that and that you're living your path and that you're utilizing the information you're gaining from your personal experiences and creating this incredible book and sharing this with our audience and with others. And I just deeply appreciate you coming on our show this evening. Thank you. It has been really very nice and very special. And I really appreciate you, Jason, for your questions, <laughs> for your heart. Thank you. For your heart. I can feel that heart-centeredness. And I just really appreciate you for having me on. Thank and, you. Um, I, I would... I'll promote your page through my social media, and I was going to say to you, keep me posted. Keep us posted as you uh, continue on this path because I'd love to have you on again sometime because I think there's just so much oh. we can explore in, in greater detail. I would love to do that. Yeah. I, will, I will share one of the things that Mandaza you know, said to me. Actually, he was in um, Canada at the time doing a workshop on the heart. And um, so my, a lot of my teachings also came from this incredibly heart shaman who's He's a peacekeeper in the world. He said, Carly, he said, 
the ancestors are saying, you need to be the I don't know woman. And he also <laughs> told that to my husband. And I just really want to pass that on because what I know now is so different than I knew five years ago. And I know that it's going to continue to evolve. So to be open and, you know, to continue to explore um, this incredible life and, and its significance. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you can you can leave our interview on that note. So thank you so much. And uh, keep in touch. And thank you for being on okay. our show. It's been okay, a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Have Bye-bye. a good night. Bye. You too. I just want to express what a what a pleasure it was having Carly come on the show this evening. I would encourage our audience to check out the, uh, Carly's book, Sacred Messengers of Shamanic Africa, Teachings from Zep Tepi, The Land of First Time. One of the things I, I like that I it really resonated with me um, through the interview today and just looking at this book and, and just really thinking about this topic is the idea that the entire natural world itself is intricately woven together in a mystery that unfolds for us every day in each breath we take and each experience we have in our world. And I definitely will say that if you were to engage the information that Carly is sharing in her book, it will likely create a paradigm shift for you and give you the opportunity to really look at the world from a different set of lenses and really appreciate that we are truly all interrelated, interdependent, and woven together in the fabric of our lives. I want to thank you for continuing to support our show. And if you have any questions, you could always email me directly at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. Feel free to leave any feedback. And uh, we deeply, I deeply appreciate having you as our audience. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. 
but I like airplane. I know you do, but WannaBet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid.